Squad Radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee Dan. You're amazing. You ought to be after 20 years. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time, DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you can have me at your next event. You know I like to party with the people. The people need to be entertained. Are you not entertained? Let me entertain you. (laughs) Today on the program, I have Jody Meltzer. She's an author, a children's book author, amongst other things. She does a lot. (laughs) She helps people. And you're going to find out more about Jody Meltzer in the next few minutes. So stick around. This week's shows, I have one public show, my trusty Friday night gig. At least 50 weeks out of the year, I'm at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. The video dance party, karaoke jam. Yes, I said karaoke. You're the stars of the show. The stage is yours. We got a little concert starring each and every one of you at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Now, that one's 21 and older, so, uh, you know. (laughs) <laughs> they got a full bar the kitchen's open pool tables they got a pool tournament on friday nights so if you want to try your hand at playing pool possibly make some money while you're at it while you're waiting to sing on stage next to yours truly come on out to the rab conway arkansas 8 p.m until 12:30 in the am so exciting always a good time at the rab and then saturday saturday i usually uh leave saturdays open for weddings parties and events but uh, this saturday I got an open day. I'm so stoked. I get to have a day off. But, you know, I'll probably be doing some recording or yard work. Yard work. That's what being a homeowner is. Yard work. (laughs) Fixing something up around the house. And that's a good thing. That's cool. I have fun. I'm very happy about that. Very happy to be where I'm at. (laughs) All right. I think that's enough intro for today. Let's get into it with Jody Meltzer author she's got a couple books out there for your kids to read uh uh, one book about oh where babies come from kind of and then another one about uh dealing with grief so uh let's get into it with jody meltzer skyping jody meltzer now And here we go. My goodness, there's a smiley face on my screen. I, I'm so ridiculous with this stuff. Oh, I, don't, I mean, I really am. I don't think you're ridiculous at all. Now, you don't have a, a, Bluetooth, a Bluetooth headset, uh, uh, anything that like that? No. Okay. You sound just fine to me. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, I, I purposely got this computer because I guess you don't really need it. That's what I've heard. Okay. But, I don't know. I've done this many times. I've never had an issue. No, no worries. Except for with my child in the background, which I've, I think I've handled. <laughs> no, just a, a headset would cut down on the echo as I hear a lot of room noise. But that sounds great. That's fine. This is real life. This is Jody Meltzer. 
What's up? What's up? How are you? <laughs> it's so good. Hey, for those people that don't know who you are, you know, give the people an idea of what a jo- uh, who a Jody Mel- Meltzer is. Nice to meet you, by the way. My name's Dan. Keys Dan from the Florida Keys. Uh, I heard something about you recently, or at least I read something about you. Uh, are you are you in Florida? I am in Florida. I moved to the Sunshine State about a year ago. I was in need of more sunshine, literally and figuratively, as I say. So, native Bostonian or the suburb of Boston. Um, but I've been here in the Tampa area for about a year, and I love it so far. Well, I like Tampa. I don't really have. But I, I'm from the Florida Keys, born and raised in Miami, Florida Keys, Fort Lauderdale. Went to high school in Fort Lauderdale. But I, I spent some time in Tampa. I, I did. It was so funny. I did two weddings in a row, one Saturday. Then I drove back down home. And then I got called back for another wedding in, in Tampa. And I said, well, I think I'm going to move to Tampa. I'm an official tampon now. <laughs> Okay, I haven't heard that expression, but uh, I keep that one on the DL. I, um, but well, you're welcome in Tampa anytime. I mean, another reason I'm here. Well, did I say that wrong? Uh, it's the home of Burt Reynolds. Uh, you know, uh, R.I.P. Right? I guess he he's he's gone, but not forgotten. I, I know he, he spent a lot of time in Tampa. Oh, so I didn't know that. I get accused of stalking Tom Brady coming here because it just it is a pretty fascinating coincidence that I moved here shortly after he came here, but um, still a Patriots fan, regardless of where I live now. Jody Metzer, are you a stalker? Are you stalking Tom Brady? All right, you know, you came from Boston all the way down to Tampa just to be with the man, the legend. It's a little, it's a little inside joke that I just shared with all of your viewers here. Um, but otherwise, besides stalking Tom Brady, I mean, definitely not Gronk. I felt like he was a little bit of a traitor um, coming out of retirement, but I digress. So um, anyway, I am an author and a writer and a mom. Um, I would say that that's a good Cliff Notes version of me. And I have a couple of books out, one called When You Lived in My Belly and the other one called Goodnight Star, Whoever You Are. Yeah, now these books are very recent. You've been a writer for a long time, as far as I can see. But you really only, well, I mean, shoot, I've, I've not written one, a book, uh, let alone two books. That You know, you're starting to, to build that shelf, that uh, Jody Meltzer shelf on the bookstore. Uh, you know, and this is an accomplishment that, uh, you know, yes, people often think, I think I'll write a book. What am I going to write about? Should I, and, and the first thing is write about your life. You know, write about things you know, write about what you, uh, your experiences are. And you, okay, I, I know, I, okay, you say you stalk Tom Brady. I've stalked you a little bit. You know, social media makes it easy to find out a little bit more about people than maybe people want, uh, you know, other people to know. You know, you keep your pages private. Yeah, people could still see uh, quite a few things. It, it's a dangerous thing out there in the internet, but it can be used for good. Uh, you know, but uh, I found out, you know, you, you're a, a recent mom. I guess uh, uh, your child must be 10, 12, somewhere in there. Yes, I have a 12-year-old biological child, but I also have a bonus daughter who's 25. So I'm definitely busy. I've been at it for a while. <laughs> well, how did that happen? How did that change your life? How did that change you from, okay, uh, you, you started out writing uh, for various publications. You could talk about that, uh, you know, but then, you know, when the child came, 
Uh, was it around 2010? If I can remember what I read, I'm not reading it right now because I'm paying attention to you. All right, but uh, you're getting you're getting some <laughs> points right there. Right? Okay. birth year, correct birth year, might, might I add? Yes. Hooray! Um, well, yeah. So I've written for various publications, including you know Huffington Post and the Mighty and Scary Mommy, all sorts of publications, um, and mostly, obviously, in the first person for the most part, not exclusively. I've written a lot about divorce and grief and just momming, you know, in general, if that's a word. Um, So I've done that for years. And I was also a primary caregiver for my mother, who had ovarian cancer, sorry to change the tone here. Uh, But she, I was her primary caregiver for 12 years almost. And during that time, we would try to have as much fun. I know it sounds interesting and crazy but we would try to make light of chemotherapy as much as we could i mean you know um so during those times we had these incredible conversations and one time my mom disclosed to me that it was her dream to write a children's book and this you know pretty much blew me away because she had never intimated in you know almost 40 years of conversations and she was the best friend I ever had in my life. So I was like, what are you talking about? That came way out of left field. And um, it just stuck in my head. So when she died, I became literally obsessed with the concept that I absolutely have to write a children's book, despite the fact that I had built a readership based on my, you know, snarky, jokester ways but also you know i can be i can write in a really poignant way and i'm 100 percent transparent and real uh so there was a delicate balance there but i certainly wouldn't pigeonhole myself as like the the person that you would think would be a children's book author but i decided i absolutely had to fulfill her dream and it took me five years to do it uh to your point i was literally lost for an idea for quite some time because i was grappling with so much grief it was profound and it was really difficult to wade through that to figure out you know okay now i'm going to write a children's book and what is that going to be about and serendipitously one day my son asked me mom what was it like when I lived in your belly I thought what a great idea for a book and did some research found that you know really wasn't a saturated book idea at all I mean I didn't find another book like mine and I decided to write it and see it through which is the other key you have to decide of course to write a book and you know go through that whole editing process and get it to prepare to go to market but then actually you know see it through the whole publishing process and and everything so that book did really well uh, much better than i anticipated frankly and then i wrote another one well you know that question and first of all i'm sorry for your loss uh, when did you lose your mom to cancer i lost her almost nine years ago okay let me say cancer sucks you know, everybody in this world has been touched by cancer in one way or another. Uh, let's eradicate that thing. Uh, you know, uh, come on, scientists, get with the program, uh, do your stuff, do your thing. Uh, from hey, and I, I heard rumor that uh, AIDS might be uh, getting cured to switch it out. This is something that I just heard today uh, that a, a guy who had it for a long time 
It might be cured. So we might be getting close. You know, science is going to catch up here. Unfortunately, it didn't catch up. There's definitely been significant progress on that front, for sure. I mean, from when it was in the 80s to where we are today, where it's more of a chronic, livable condition. Um, It's I, I would love to see cancer get to that point, especially certain types of cancer that don't get as much attention and research dollars as others. Like my mom's, you know, ovarian cancer is not one that's um, like, you know, one in eight get breast cancer. So it's just a different type of disease. Yeah, but that's one that hits hard. You know, once it gets there, it metastasizes everywhere, right? Uh, you know, my grandfather had had uh, lung cancer. Of course, he smoked, you know, and, and as soon as he had lung cancer, my mom quit smoking that day, cold turkey. You know, sometimes it takes you know, having that personal that that sight, you know, but, uh, you know, cancer just comes, it, it, you know, you, I have it in, all throughout my family. I, I'm waiting for that day that that, oh, maybe it's going to happen. Hopefully never, you know, and, and, and I like the the idea that you said that you uh, had your had fun with your mom. You know, it's not dying of cancer. It's living with cancer. This is just another obstacle of life that you have to get through. And it looks like you had a good time with your mom in her last days. She gave you her dreams. And then you are, are, are you know, she's living. I don't know if you could live vicariously after you pass, but uh, whatever the equivalent of that is. Uh, you're carrying on her dream. And in that uh, respect, she lives forever, right? Yes. I mean, and she was, frankly, beyond hilarious. Uh, you know, anyone who knew her, I mean, I knew that I became an adult, uh, not in typical fashion. It was really because my mom used to kind of push me aside, not literally, but she would push me aside and tell my friends, parents, or coaches, or teachers, like, completely inappropriate dirty jokes and everyone would be like in tears laughing and she was one of those people who could just tell a joke and you didn't even know she was telling a joke and then all of a sudden you're like oh it's a joke I do not have this ability it just skipped me in the genetic pool but when I when she did not like kind of make me go away I was like wow I like I am an adult in my household I can hear the jokes now so I'm an adult but um yeah, I mean, you know, there is something, it's it's beyond, if you have a certain sense of humor, and humor sustains me, and it certainly sustained her, but, you know, everyone's donning hazmat suits and can't touch anything, and it's literally going to be pumped in her veins, and she found that to be, like, beyond ironic, so, but we had, we had incredible conversations and an intense uh, bond that will never be duplicated. Well, it sounds like but you gained a lot. she definitely lives on as much as she can uh, through through me, and I see her in my son's eyes often. All right. Well, what did you learn from from your mom? I guess you got a sense of humor, uh, you know that that fun stuff. What what did she do in her in her life, and what did you glean from the work that she did? And then maybe your dad. What did he do? Yeah, I mean, she was the type of person, you know, don't worry about something unless you have something to worry about. 
you know, if you're going through hell, keep going, that type of a personality, you know, not like your daughter who will sit up, uh, you know, 3, 4 a.m. and contemplate life and everything that could potentially happen. So sometimes I'll hip check myself based on her lessons because she had so many issues that she was dealing with and it could have kept her up for days on end and she just did not allow that you know into her headspace she tried to remain positive and present as much as possible so I carry that with me and I often hear her in my head like come on now you know um my my father instilled an incredible work ethic uh you know i remember when i was i don't know 13 14 years old he told me like let's go to the mall i was like fabulous all right let's go and we get to the mall and he's like you have until the end of the day to get a job and i was like what you know (laughs) i was like what do you mean we're not getting (laughs) we're not close i mean I'm not getting some like silver city pink lipstick or electric blue eyeliner. I'm a queen of the eighties. Like what's happening here. But you know, I, I had be, you know, I was babysitting, but he thought I could do more. I could contribute more. He's a completely self-made man. Uh, you know, he really worked very hard for everything he had and he did not want me to be raised like a different way based on the fruits of his labor. So yeah, he really instilled that work ethic in me. Well, you know, okay, that's a great joke that dad played on you. Okay, I, my uh, my dad wasn't around so much, but my grandfather played that figure. And uh, I remember he, he was the type of guy who would be, uh, you know, people are always giving me excuses on why they can't work. I'm too sick. I'm too tired. I'm only six. You know, <laughs> What job did you end up getting? Did you get that job in the mall? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the woman who owned a flower store, like, completely took mercy on me. She wasn't even, she told me in later years, because I did sustain that job for a while. She told me, she was like, I didn't even need someone. But just the way that I kind of presented my quandary at the moment, like, hey, I'm in the mall until I find a job. And, you know, I'm creative and artistic. And I think I could, you know, make floral arrangements or whatever I said. And she did. She took pity on me, and it wound up working out. Oh my so, but he really—I mean, I'm a very hard worker, yeah. uh, and I've always been that way—a really driven person. And that was instilled in me, certainly by my father. That is fantastic. Kids need to get jobs now. Okay, <laughs> a small political here: the fifteen dollar an hour thing—it's going to put kids out of those bag boy jobs bag girl jobs out of those uh you know cart pushing uh, busing jobs what dishwashing jobs you can't pay everybody 15 dollars an hour the kids that are you know doing summer jobs i i i fully believe they they don't need 15 dollars an hour they need that eight bucks an hour or that six bucks an hour whatever just enough to get them some some spending money to go you know around said mall maybe go to the movies maybe spend uh, some some bubble gum money but yeah the 15 dollars an hour is putting the kids that you know the the ability for dad to take his kid to the mall and and get her a job you know, and, and I had a mall job, too. I worked at Swenson's Ice Cream at Broward County Mall. I don't think it's there anymore, but it was fantastic. I'm 16 years old or 15 or 16 years old working uh, the fountain, the waiting, the, uh, the, you know, the, the cooking, the busing, the dishing, 
yeah, I, I I did all that. But flowers, that's fantastic. I, what follow, a- I followed that up. I followed that one up with a still model job where I was I was a model that would literally have to stay still in the middle in the mall for this clothing store. And every you know, all of my friends would come and try to make me laugh. And it was just not really the job for me. So clearly with my sense of humor. No, the living mannequin. Um, so, what, anyway, a, what a fantastic I, I, job. No, the living mannequin. What a fantastic <laughs> job. That's a great job. Oh, my goodness. To, uh, I, I remember going to San Francisco one time, and one of those guys that was all painted silver was kind of standing there with his hand out. And, uh, you know, I put a quarter in it. And I'm wearing black and white striped shirt. I'm, once again, 15, 16 years old, walking through San Francisco going, huh, let me try this. I'm standing on, on the boardwalk there. I put my hand out, kind of real real uh, quiet and, and still. And, Somebody put a quarter in there. I was jazzed. I was jazzed. It was my first uh, paid gig uh, in, uh, in the entertainment business. No, I, I, I wouldn't consider that my first paid gig. But my goodness, you're a, a living model and people trying to goof off with you. That's a thing. That's fun. That was, that was funny at 16. And, you know, I really haven't discussed that or even thought about it in a long time. So thank you for that. No, I love this stuff. This is the building blocks of you. This is primarily a learning podcast, and I want to learn about Jody Meltzer. Yeah, yeah, you can go to JodyMeltzer.com. I'll get that out of the way right now. There's books. She's selling books, and she's got good books, uh, you know, for the kids right now, uh, you know, is uh, and it's good subject matter. The reason, and I fully believe that. Well, I fully believe. I have a bunch of articles. That, that, uh, where did I come from? is a, a question that gets asked of moms and dads all the time. And some some of the moms and dads, for whether they be, uh, you know, I'm embarrassed or religious reasons, they'll shun you. I grew up Catholic. I didn't know about sex. Uh, uh, you know, in sixth grade, I, I took sex ed at a Catholic school, and I, I learned nothing. I learned nothing. You know, and where I come from... Where have I so, been? You know. Yeah. So I'm not going there no. with this book. We're no, not no. talking about sex. We are we're talking about like month it's a month by month storytelling of pregnancy. So from the like what are you doing in utero during the first month, second month through nine, and then what is the cor- like the corresponding changes that are happening with the mom. So the first month, um, you know, what what the mom might be feeling, what the mom might be thinking, and then when do physical symptoms of pregnancy appear, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I really did a bunch of research, certainly on what happens in utero, but then I corresponded it with a lot of the, I went through pregnancy. So the changes that myself and other people I interviewed, like, you know, what was happening around month four, you know, you're talking about getting the anatomy ultrasound. Do you want to know the sex of the baby? Do you not want to know, you know, you're getting cravings for different foods or whatever. So it's, it's a storytelling of pregnancy from both vantage points, which is really cool because moms, of course, they remember their pregnancies, some all too well. And then, but children don't. And when they see a pregnant, you know, pictures of their mom pregnant or other pregnant women, they have questions and they they wonder, you know, what was it like when I lived in your belly? So this answers that question. And I'm completely debunking the, you know, stork myth. I, I'm not perpetuating anything like that. Like, go somewhere else. Um, 
you know, it, it actually has like pictures of, you know, the artist of the book is my lifelong friend from kindergarten. Her name is Jody King Kamara. She actually illustrated the book. So this was a labor of love in every sense of the phrase. Um, and she, I really had like a vision that I wanted to show the baby in the belly, like it's not just in an abstract way. So we have a nice kind of combination there visually. It's a pretty visually compelling book. So no birds, no bees, no storks in this book at all. You know, I, I remember I was uh, just reading recently uh, the diary that I used to keep when I was a baby. And I remember, you know, I started at the beginning and it said day one, still tired from the move. Day two, everybody talks to me like I'm an idiot. These are jokes, people. These are jokes. These are jokes. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> no, but uh, this is and, and that is true. Yeah, this is an important Everyone's talking to you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. And then my my second book called Good Night Star Whoever You Are. That was actually it's a book about grief for children because uh, you know to your point about cancer, my kids lost their father to kidney cancer. My bonus daughter was twenty one. And my son was eight. So interestingly, and my bonus daughter as well, um, when I met her, she had lost her mother at age four. So she's really grappled with just intense, profound loss. And she's only 25. So when she was younger and we would take long car rides, she would always look up at the stars. And I don't know if you ever experienced this, but sometimes it just seems like a star is following you in the car, you know? And she would always say, you know, I think my mom sent that star, you know, maybe that's why it's following me. And it was just a part of her imagination. I think the coping mechanism, it really made her feel good to connect that star with her mother. And interestingly, a decade later or more, my son and I were driving home from the beach and he did the same exact thing with a star and he equated it with maybe my dad sent that star. And I couldn't believe it because it's something that they both did independently without knowing Obviously, um, certainly my stepdaughter wouldn't know, but my son didn't know. I never shared that with him. So I just figured, you know, talking about that um, must be comforting to kids and something that they could potentially relate to. But you're saying that they independently came up with similar ideas uh, because I've looked at the moon. And the moon certainly does follow us. You know, you can see it you know, when you're driving in your car, when you're walking down the street, the moon follows you. And a star that they could pick out individually, uh, a star to represent their departed parents. That's an amazing thing. That it's, it, we're all the same and we're all different. People that think that we're different in this world, we're not. We're not. We all want the same things. We just go about it at different ways. We, we have different ideas of how to get there. You know, food on the plate, money in the pocket, uh, roof over the head, uh, kids that are healthy. Not necessarily all in that that order. You know, maybe the healthy kids first instead of, you know, the buck in your pocket. Right. <laughs> But uh, you know, you're you're you've gone through so many things in your life. You know, with the death, 
dessert, uh, the divorce. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, what, is, what was the, the three D's that was in the Witches of Eastwick? Uh, death, divorce, the desertion. That's the way that, that people leave you in, in certain times of, of your life. Uh, you know, and I think they were all, uh, dealing with that kind of a thing. But you, you've put these, this subject matter into a way that's, that that's consumable for for children a way to uh, to to get them to grieve we worry about our kids and if we don't have the ability to talk to them we need people like you that have researched it that have uh, gone through the trouble uh, yes what what makes you an ex- expert to talk about childbirth well you went through it and you remember some things and then you you know researched it and, and wrote it down this is a superpower i'm guessing you're not a, a doctor or a nurse or you know a, a paramedic or anything i uh, you know you w- nope i definitely have a cape i mean you don't see it i definitely have one no, Edna said no capes, no capes. Uh, if you're going to be a superhero, all, not all superheroes wear capes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, I think that um, also, you know, I was inspired by my children to write Goodnight Star, whoever you are. But it was also during a time of collective grief with COVID. You know, we were all going through a period of collective grief, whether we realize it or not, because life had dramatically changed as we knew it. And of course, a lot of people did lose loved ones um, unexpectedly. So it, you know, it kind of coincided with that collective period of mourning when the book was, you know, being finalized and then ultimately published. So uh, grief is the great equalizer. I say this all the time. You know, I forget exactly who said it, but grief is the price of love and it is. So if you go through life and you don't love anyone uh, and you outlive anyone you have a little feeling for, then perhaps you won't be touched by grief or grapple with it. But most people are going to endure it and it's something to be reckoned with. I've gone through it myself and then I've also gone through it as a parent, you know, for my kids and it's it's really incredibly difficult and should be discussed more. People are afraid of grief like it's cooties, you know, they just often ignore it, you know, and that's just the wrong thing to do. No, that's an amazing quote. And I, I did I have heard it before and I did just look it up. Colin Murray Parks, nineteen twenty eight. The pain of grief is just as much a part of life as the joy of love it is perhaps the price we pay for love the cost of commitment we all go through grief my my goodness uh, we're all born uh ready he- heading for death and that's something that that we're we look forward to you know that we look forward to whether we like it or not but uh what we can do is be like your mom and just live your life have fun you know smile i see a big smile in your face even through all the grief all the trials and tribulations that you've been through still smiling still getting through it okay yeah you know don't uh what is it don't don't be mad because it happened be uh, I don't, there's more quotes on that uh, be you know be happy because it I don't know, whatever you get what I'm, I'm getting at yes yes don't don't be mad you know because something happened be grateful that you experienced it and i'm paraphrasing Oh, for sure. So it's all about perspective and, you know, shifting focus as best you can. And that's not to say, you know, some days if you want to curl up in the fetal position and eat some pizza or whatever it is to help you cope, it's all good with me. I get it. I, you know, just don't stay there for too long. Don't stay in that position too long. Give yourself time to 
to mourn and be gentle with yourself, but don't stay in that space for too long. Because well, there's of, a lot to live for. Speaking of stars, and that's the reason I use the background. For the people that are listening to the audio version, check out the video version. I put stars in the background, uh, you know, just kind of give you the, the, the mood that we're in. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a fan, speaking of stars, of NASA. And I just recently learned, not not too recently, but over the last few years, that they don't they don't call it failure when things go wrong. It's their, your first attempt at success. And I think that goes throughout the military or paramilitary uh, situations. But I like that idea. First attempts at success. Don't, you know, you're feeling blue. Uh, you know, you didn't make that high jump. You didn't uh, get, get a good grade on that uh, social studies report. It's just your first attempt at success. You'll get it. You'll get through it. And these are the subject matters that you're doing. You're you're helping kids to find them, you know, find the the happy in the in the sad. And it's that's an amazing superpower. No, I don't see the cape, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's out there. It's there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, listen, I am perfectly imperfect and I've tucked and rolled through many of the mistakes in my life. I mean, something that comes to mind, I was an anchor reporter for years and the first time I ever got on air, I I was a an absolute disaster. I just for some reason could not, you know, spit out a sentence. I was trying to like basically produce the newscast and write it and then anchor it and I had zero experience. So it was just an overwhelming prospect. And I got off the set and I said, like, I'm done. Like <laughs> they're going to just day one. See you later. Wait a uh, minute. But I got no. off the set and the news director said to me, you know, he didn't say anything about my performance, which shocked me. He talked about my hair and that I needed to cut my hair, which was I'm like, hmm, okay. So that means my performance at all was completely, it was disastrous. It was not memorable, but it, it propelled me forward. I'm like, I'm going to make the next one memorable. And if that one isn't memorable in a good way, not in a bad way, but memorable in a good way. And if it's not, then I'm going to continue on and just every single day. And it was painful, really painful. I kept getting out there, but ultimately got better and better. And that's life. You just have to persevere. Well, people don't know. And once again, you're giving gems. You're teaching people the entertainment business, especially when you're in front of the camera doing that kind of work. You could be hired and fired for the way you look. And that is a thing. And and if you don't, you're not blonde enough. You're not brunette enough. You're not Asian enough. You're not brown enough. You're not Spanish enough. We need this demographic. So we need this type of person. We oh, we need a heavy set guy. Al Roker. I think his career has gone downhill since he got thinner. I'm glad he got thinner. I'm glad he got healthier. But I, you know, when he was a big dude, he was he that big, happy, uh, you know, robust, happy dude. And that you know, now he's a little thinner. He looked kind of weird to me. But you know, that's in front of the camera. You can be hired or fired. You know, for the way you look and just cutting your hair. Hey, you should cut that hair. And I, I've heard tell of uh, here's a here's a a, 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 a prescription to the uh, to the local gym. Go lose a few pounds. 
I mean, has that ever happened to you in front of the uh, being uh, working in front of the camera? Oh, for me, it was the hair. You know, I got off the set and I thought that was just such a it was just such superficial, like sad assessment. Like, but then maybe he just all he could think about was, well, I'll give her something to do that might improve her existence here on air. Uh, but he wanted my hair cut at least to my shoulders and it was longer. Um, but I, it, it really motivated me and made me determined to ensure that I would be judged, you know, not just on appearance like that, but that of substance. And, um, you know, ultimately I got there, but I did have to cut my hair. <laughs> well, see, <laughs> I guess we all have to do things for our jobs. But, yes, the entertainment business, my goodness, you're trying to get into a movie, you have to look a certain way, you have to fit a certain mold, you have to... Yeah, have you uh, now? When you said you you were doing reporting, were you out on the streets, or you said you did anchor that was behind the desk? I did both, actually. I was a health reporter. I was an entertainment reporter. I did, you know, man on the street interviews. I interviewed everyone from the Goo Goo Dolls to Hillary Clinton to John McCain. You know, I've done a significant amount of reporting in my day, uh, but then also did the cut-ins during Good Morning America. So they would, you know, come to me in the local market and I would just give updates on what was going on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I worked terrestrial radio down in Miami. Uh, number 12 market, I guess, is what it is down there. And uh, I'd have tell to where I'd have to go on a red carpet with a, my little uh, recorder and, and go record these people as they were walking down the carpet and maybe take a few pictures with them as well, put them on our, our little website. But um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's very interesting work. Um, but, you know, you do get better and better. People that, that think they want to quit the first day, such as yourself, it's good that you had a boss that that that, that was behind no, you. No, no, a little no, bit. I, no, no. I did not want to quit. I am not oh. a quitter. Oh, okay. I, you said that's I it. Didn't like his assessment. No, I didn't like his assessment that he didn't. Oh. I would have been happier if he actually said, you know, listen, if you want this job, you're going to have to be able to actually speak. Um, you're going to have to talk in sentences. You can't be disjointed. You're, you know, you have to overcome your nerves or whatever. I would have been happier if he had given some constructive criticism uh, as opposed to, yeah, listen, I just need you to cut your hair and an appointment's been made for you. It can't be below your collar. So I was like, oh, that, you know, to me, the, the value or the focus was on the wrong thing at that juncture. But I'm, I'm absolutely the most driven person who does not quit. So. Well, forgive my misunderstanding. I, I, I must have misunderstood something in the beginning. But, um, you know, did you go to school for journalism or, or broadcasting or, or any of that or, or writing or English or journal or anything? What, what did you go I to school for? I was a communications major at Hofstra University in New York. I minored in social science and I graduated, you know, thinking I would go to law school. And I got into law school and I, you know, told my parents, like, you know, took the LSATs, got into law school, did all this work. And my dad's like, congratulations. That's fantastic. Good luck paying the loans. You know, <laughs> like, I was like, what do you mean? You're not going to help me with the loans? And he's like, no. So then I had to really think about like, how bad do I want to be a lawyer? Do I want to go into that amount of debt? Is it really that 
big of, you know, kind of a light focus for me. And ultimately I decided it was not. And I, you know, did a complete 180. I'm like, well, I always wanted to be a news reporter. So I did well, that. That is so sad about the education. You you should have been able to become a reporter. You know, I, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, grandpa when in his day when he was going to school, he would get a part time job, uh, go go to college, part you know, full time, get a part time job. And by the time he was out of college, he pretty much was paid, uh, paid all his college. It was when the government started subsidizing school. The tuition kept going up and up and up and up. You should be a lawyer. I don't want free health care. I want affordable health care. You know, I want it to be affordable. Well, I'm really glad I'm not a lawyer, though, I have to say. I think I would like studying law, but not really practicing law. So it was almost, you know, serendipitous. Uh, you know, that my dad was like, yeah, full stop here. I'm not paying for law school. And it really made me examine how bad I wanted that. Well, I mean, you could have been that kind of a writer where you write about the law. You know, you still might have followed the pursuit of, of writing uh, books and, and novels and what have you. Uh, and and gone gone that route but hey i'm glad you are where you are you know i'm i'm glad that you've written uh, things for the kids uh, the children are our future you are taking your loving uh, hands and and guiding them through uh, not only your own uh, two children and that's fantastic now the bonus child i guess that came with another marriage is that what a, what a bonus child is or how did that come yes about? yes so she yeah i I mean, this was a long time time ago. This was uh, my son's father, he, who's since passed away. Um, but yeah, I met her when she was eight, and she's now twenty five. So I've, like I said, I've been at it for quite some time. Well, that <laughs> even is- though my son, my son's only twelve, but yeah, but that's great that she had you to help her through. Uh, you know, you did it firsthand for her, and now you're doing it for so many other children, helping them through their grief through your writing through your you know that's that's inspiring you know you're taking your hardships you're taking your yo you're succeeding i had this amazing thing happen recently where i was just you know looking through facebook as i normally do sometimes at 3 a.m i don't know but anyway uh sleeping is not always easy (laughs) so i was scrolling through and i just saw that an organization in massachusetts um dedicated 19 copies of my book good night star whoever you are to um uvaldi in honor and in memory of the children lost there and i was just so beyond that was like why i do what i do you know as a writer all you want to do is connect to people who need to hear what you have to say and i think that you know we're all in different spaces and different junctures in life and but at at certain times and i could name so many you know emails and um just posts that i've received in life like throughout all of my writing where you know someone said you know this really i needed to hear this today or you know this message or what you and how transparent and real you are it really kind of gave me the strength to talk more about how I feel. That's what motivates me to keep writing. I absolutely adore that feeling and I can't imagine ever stopping. 
Well, once again, you, this internet can be used for good. You've written, written these words down. You put them in a, in book form. They were edited, compiled. You threw them out into the ether. And it's nice to have that feedback because these have become your babies too. Just like a songwriter, like a script, a screenwriter. And these become your babies. Yeah. You make them for the love because you feel you have to. But it's nice to get some some feedback, and and if the, it helps out those children in Uvalde, anything, any little bit, because they've gone through some horrors themselves. There's so so many horrible things in this world, and if you can shine a light and give them a little bit of of hope, so good on you, good for you. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's a, a Facebook page. Facebook too yeah. is Andy Grammer, the multi platinum singer-songwriter Andy Grammer wrote a really compelling forward for Goodnight Star, whoever you are. He's actually been quite vocal with his own grief, uh, losing his mother at a young age, not as young as my son, but he was, I believe, in his early 20s when he lost his mom. So he, we were able to connect and he wrote a really compelling forward about how grief takes, you know, different I mean, it ebbs and flows and it looks different, you know, depending on the day. Like I said earlier, some days you may be crawling up in the fetal position. Other days you may be laughing and kind of reminiscing about a story or a memory that, you know, connects you forever to the person that you've lost, um, the person who died. Some people in the grief community don't really like using that term losing. Uh, but anyway, that, um, you know, that, that connectivity really spoke to him. And I was so honored that he provided such a compelling forward for this title. Well, people often use their beliefs, uh, gone over to the other side, went to heaven, uh, became a part of the stars, you know, uh, it, you know, where it went back to energy form there's many different ways that people uh, will express the same thing he's no longer with us okay she's no longer with us and it's sad for the ones that that she's left behind you know that we are the ones that are left here to to deal with the grief of not having that great person that we used to count on that that we used to talk to quite often and get lots of insight from yeah, it's it's the the grief is not it's not for them. They're done with this world. It, it, you know, they they've uh, shed this mortal coil, as it were. It's us that needs to help with grief. And that's what you do. There's your superpower right there. Uh, you're not just helping kids learn about uh, how how they how they were in mommy's belly. How did I get in mommy's belly? But also, <laughs> hey, what happened when uh, grandpa died? Grandma died. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, how, how can I deal with that? As I, I used to love grandma. I used to love going, going over there and, and learning how to, uh, uh, crochet and, and, uh, whittle wood and whatever grandpas and grandmas teach you. Cause they do teach you a lot of things, kids. Yeah. And love your grandmas. Yeah. Love your grandpas. Even pets, even pets. I mean, any shift, you know, you, I mean, I am absolutely one who loves my dog. Uh, I often call her my favorite child on the daily. She does not talk back or give me any attitude. So, <laughs> but yeah, any, 
any real significant, you know, death in a child's life. This just gives them an outlet. Um, it's kind of an imaginative point of view. I'm not telling them, you know, oh, that's your parent here. I'm just, you know, more giving them inspiration to think beyond, um, like the totally tangible reality, you know, and, and thinking of ways that they can still remain connected to their loved one and, you know, the way that they live on in their hearts and minds and they're a part of them, even though you don't see them every single day, but I'm not, you know, kind of force feeding them into different ideals. And it's certainly not like religious or, you know, anything oriented like that at all. It's more of an imaginative point of view. And at the end of both of my books, there's a special area um, to write about in, in Goodnight Star, whoever you are, to write about your loved one, any memories you may have, there is an area. And then also in when you lived in my belly, there is an area for the mom to pen a note to their children or child about their own individual pregnancy journey, because obviously it differs well, significantly. I, I fully believe you're a great mama. You're doing you're doing the job, and here your kids, your children are your muses. Uh, you know they're they're the inspiration uh, ultimately for the books. Uh, mommy, what you know what was it like in my in your belly? Bam, let me write a book about it. Hey, I'm I'm having some trouble getting through this uh, this death that, that that I've gone through. Here's a book about it. it they're the, the muses, the inspirations are your children. That's where you're getting it from. Uh, you know, who knows where that next muse is going to be? I mean, is there is there thoughts of another book? I mean, that's that's always uh, so funny. Is you took this time out, 2019, you wrote this book, 2021, you wrote another book. Okay, what's next? Oh, you, you know, they consumed. They, they, okay, they ate that book. They loved it. What's next? What's on the horizon? So I'm actually working on two different things. I'm working on a memoir. Um, this is for adults because, like I said, I'm rooted in rooted in realism and rooted in adult writing, for lack of a better term. I started out writing for uh, really it was for other moms at the beginning of my career um so well prior to but i'm saying after i was a reporter i really started writing that was like an escape for me when i had my son and i took a little time off which i'm not the type of person as we discussed earlier who really vacations a lot or rests easy i'm just always on the go but i did know that i was only going to have one biological son or you know child and so i took the first couple of years off and that's when i launched my blog and i started this whole different career of of writing so anyway i I'm rooted in that and I definitely have an audience for it. So I'm writing that and I also want to challenge myself. Um, I've been dabbling in screenwriting as well because I have, I know I have a movie in my head that I'm trying to get out on paper and there will be another children's book because everything it has to come in threes. So there will be another children's book. 
Well, you're in a good but spot. They, you're a hop, skip, and a jump from Disney Studios and another hop, skip, and a jump from Atlanta, where every television show seems to be getting made right now. So, you know, maybe movies as well. Uh, so you might get involved with uh, Tyler Perry or the Walking Dead people, whoever's out there. And just you know, like a, Tyler, I think it's only well, okay. what's that? <laughs> Say that again. Give me a call. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I am a total dreamer and I, like I said, do not sit still. So I, I have, you know, always have kind of multiple tabs open in my brain. Um, but I, I did challenge myself that I actually do want to write a memoir and I am writing it. I'm, I'm in the process of writing it. So that that is happening um, and we'll see how far I get on the screenplay, but I just have this great idea for a film and I have been putting the feelers out because I do know a bunch of people in the industry and I certainly can write but it's a completely different uh, way of writing that I just I'm not familiar with so it'll be a challenge but I'm up for it well you know Andy Grammer so you know the scores uh, is set <laughs> how did you get involved with Andy Grammer that guy's amazing so I wouldn't say Andy and I are besties or anything okay. I don't spread that rumor but you know he it's it's interesting so my son attends a camp called experience camp and it's for children who have lost a parent or a sibling it's just an incredible camp they um, you know, invite everyone together and they introduce them to each other and they give them this incredible week of typical camp activities, but grief work is threaded throughout. And Andy Grammer, during COVID, uh, they, they could only have it virtually. He wound up putting on a concert for experience camps and they gave an opportunity for some children to ask questions of Andy Grammer. And my kid is personality plus um he asked him a question and then offered to play drums for him on tour you know because he plays the drums and he's just a memorable he's a memorable little dude it is what it is so i use that um first of all his personal experience with grief and just how he gets it and he's trying to move the needle as well you know some people like i said they just really shy away from talking about it and he's not one of those so i wound up reaching out to his people i mean i don't and i actually at the time i did have someone helping me too and then we wound up connecting um and he wrote this beautiful forward for the book that really just added so much to it that's great and I'm really Oh my goodness. All right. I know I've taken some of your time. I want you to, you've given shout outs, especially to Andy Grammer and a couple other people throughout this podcast. And I like you. I like when people give credit where credit is due. And it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I want to talk, uh, give a shout out myself to Antonio Lumley, uh, Mr. Brooke Brax himself. That guy's writing about, you know, also children's books, uh, Brooke and Brax, uh, about bullying, about getting through, uh, life in the inner city streets, you know, and, and really anywhere, you know, not just these streets, but, uh, everywhere. Kids are, kids are terrible, you know, when it get uh, at certain ages, uh, they'll point out any flaw, anything that's out, out out of the ordinary and just uh pick at it and pick 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 until you uh until you break until you break either you start punching or you go home crying you know so uh yeah that bullying uh th thank you antonio loomley for that but you know putting and yeah, also goes, putting us together go way back obviously tony and i yeah i've known him since 
since middle school. So um, yeah, he's doing incredible work. A lot of the the work that he's doing to you know heighten awareness and understanding of the impact of bullying and empowering kids you know, giving them different ways to feel confident in themselves and, you know, kind of giving validity to the fact that we are diverse, you know, and that's the beauty in our population is that we're so diverse and we all have something to contribute. So yeah, he's fantastic. All right. That's shout out number one. Any other shout outs for people that have helped you along the way as you've gone through this journey uh, from, uh, from, uh, from child to reporter to, off there to beyond well of course my parents and i my kids uh they are my daily source of inspiration and frustration but i adore them i absolutely love them uh more than i could ever possibly convey so uh they are definitely you know the center of my world you say the 12 year old's a drummer he's uh, he's gonna be a rock star is that what it is is that what the the goal is you know he plays the drums he likes hockey he likes history i mean you know he's like a budding mayor who knows he's really funny kid though i i will say he's got shtick so <laughs> and my bonus daughter is an occupational therapist so she's already so accomplished that was one of my first loves. I started working in the hospital in, in, in my 20s. Uh, and, uh, well, I, I was a firefighter, but then I also worked in the ER. And I thought about doing occupational therapy. I think that's a, a great thing is helping people a, back to their lives. Uh, I remember the, the Baptist Hospital in Miami, if I remember right, they, they had a, a, a place for op- occupational therapy. There was a, you know, like a mock bedroom and a mock grocery store and a, a you know, mock things that, that, Every day you would um, you would take for granted as a fully able bodied person, but uh, to help people into that occupation, that's a that's a wonderful thing. But then, you know, then again, playing the drums, not too shabby being the rhythm section. You got two good kids there. You're giving them the tools that they need for their toolbox. And that's that's a great thing. That's all we can do as parents. Right. They're both they're both like kind-hearted good souls like just good humans and above all that's what i want to deliver to the world is just good solid human beings who care about the world and their place in it and you know are funny too i mean makes the world go around so i'm doing pretty well on that front well i mean that's what we're here for and i also have to give a shout out one more shout out to my best friends from kindergarten jody king kamara for illustrating both of my books her talent is just beyond extraordinary uh she she absolutely brings the vision to life and the books would be nothing without her she's incredible Jody Meltzer, that says a lot about you is you have these long lasting relationships, these long lasting friendships. I have one friend that I've known since 84. That's back in the 1900s for you kids out there. You know, you know, we've, we've known each other since high school. Oh, I'm sorry. I lied. 82. We, we met each other in 82 and we're still besties today. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's good and to I, keep. I met her in 78. So. We've been we've been friends my entire life, basically, um, you know, a solid 45 years. We've been friends. You're a star. That's fantastic. So, I don't I'm want stalking 50 years old. What's that? I'm almost I'm going to be. 50. I said because I'm stalking 50 years old. 
flirting with 50, they say, but I say stalking. Uh, yeah, so I'll be 50, so I'm dating myself with the 45-year friendship, but she's a pretty extraordinary person. Well, you know, before... Yeah, before I was 50, I was very shy about telling people my age. You know, people go, oh, you look 30. I'm, you know, really, in, I'm 45. You know, and, you know, I'd have that in the back of my head. But then as soon as I turned 50, I went uh, uh, Molly Shannon on everybody. I'm 50. I can kick and stretch and kick. I'm 50. And now I'm 53, and I'm still loving it doing great and i don't want this to be the last time that we talk i want uh you know as things progress as you write new things i want you to come back and chit chat with me some more but um you know if you want let people i already let people know your website but you could say it again i found all your your uh social medias but i did not find your blog if you're still doing that yep so everything is on jodymeltzer.com and if you forget Meltzer, it's seltzer with an m it's very easy to remember they there you go. No, so Jody Elser with an M. Dot com. <laughs> and uh, you can also just Google my name and there's multiple articles, like I said, on many publications and I'm constantly writing new stuff. So um, and there it's housed also on jodymeltzer.com. Okay. Well, cool. I'll have everything in the show notes below. My books can be found everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I mean, anywhere books are sold, you can find When You Lived in My Belly and Good Night Star, whoever you are. Well, let's talk about uh, a little bit, a small bit about the business part is how are, are people getting, you know, paid for their books? How, are, are, is there a better place to buy your books? I have some authors and, and even musicians that say, go straight to my website, send me a message. I will sell you the book myself. That's best because, you know, as much as I love Amazon and Barnes and Noble and going through those stores at oh, Barnes and Noble, I could spend all day in there trying to find those gems. Ooh, I got to have that book. I got to have that book. But um, are, are they paying the authors? Are, are you able to make a living on this? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, when you buy direct from an author, the author gets more money. But you also want your book to register on these sites, you know, so sales are important. I think personally everywhere, like both of my books, I was fortunate enough that and with some hard work, too. But both of my books debuted number one in their categories on Amazon. And that definitely gave me a significant push as you know, when the books were launched. So I think that there's just value in buying books, period. You know, don't forget how important they are. And sometimes you can really connect with someone through a book that you otherwise might not be able to have a a certain conversation, but you read a book together and it really can um, create some meaningful conversation. Well, obviously, you get thought of enough uh, to where uh, people are using your books to help people through grief and through uh, other situations, you know, the, uh, these tough situations like, like the one in Uvalde. Uh, that's amazing that they thought enough of you to, to, uh, to do that. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I can tell it makes you feel really good and, and, and it gives you a sense of, of pride and, and, and that's deserved, well-deserved. Uh, all right. I, I it, wanna, was, it, was, it was unbelievable. 
Yeah. I do want to let you go. Um, this, I, I, I don't want, I, I, this won't be the last time we talk, but, uh, um, I usually finish these things off with last words for the people. This could be words to live by, something you heard a long time ago, a mantra that you wake up with every morning, or just whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. Jody Meltzer, give the last words for the people. Well, I will have to say, in the spirit of my mom, you know, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't worry about something until you have something to worry about. These are the core lessons of life. Just, just keep it all in perspective. And, you know, no day lasts forever, right? Um, and you've gotten you've gotten through all of the days so far, and you'll continue to get through the rest of them. So just keep an open mind and an open heart, and it eventually will all work out. Well, there you have it, party people. Jody Melter, what a nice lady. Oh, my goodness. She's got two books out, uh, one written in 2019, When You Lived in My Belly. And that's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, the, the synopsis, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but the synopsis says uh, she's done some research on uh, on on getting get, answering that questions where did i that question that kids often do ask their parents where did i come from and if um you know that's a lot of kids a lot of uh, parents don't know how to answer that question and i'm glad that jody Meltzer took the time out to research it i mean she's a mom herself she had the baby and she uh, had some of that information in her hip pocket and then she went further and made sure that she put it in in uh form that was consumable for a child and then good night star whoever you are inspired once again by her children uh, to find out what that star in the sky that's following you around is is it uh is it grandma is it grandpa is it is it aunt molly that we don't see anymore because she's gone from this earthly existence uh shed this mortal coil how do you uh how do you say passed away I'd like to hear some comments on that. I, I think you've uh, you've sparked some some questions, Jody Meltzer, and uh, I encourage you to to s- drop some comments below or hey, slip into uh, Jody Meltzer's DMs, business only, and uh, you know, talk to her, and uh, maybe you can inspire her. She's and and let her know how she's inspired you with her writings. That's how. Uh, that's how authors and, and creatives in general um, have the courage to keep going when they have uh, feedback. And, and I like that. I like that. You know, I've, I've been DJing since 1986, you know, professionally anyway. Even before that, I did little house parties and, uh, you know, some of my kid parties that with my, my little record player and took my records and in my wagon uh, around the block and did a bunch of parties for the kids. But, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to know that I, I, I'm, I'm able to do the job. Uh, and people still say, that was a great job. Why don't you come and do this party for me or this event for me? And it's nice to be told as an author, you did a good job. You inspired me. You made me think. You got me through a tough time. So thank you, Jody Meltzer, for, uh, for uh, you know, using your ch- children's inspiration to write these books. Ah, that was fantastic. Thank you, Jody Meltzer, for being on the program. What makes you famous? That's it for this edition. Now, if you, yes, you, would like to tell your story, 
I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, or email keysdan at aol.com. That's it for me. It's keysdanradiowhat.com, djlittlerock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Be on Radio What. Call 501-470-6386. Say your name, where you're from, and you're listening to what? The music you want is on radiowhat.com. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan email info at radio what.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keys thank you for listening radio what the music you want with some great, great quotes the absence of flaw in beauty is itself a flaw have lock ellis the music you want radio what dot com <laughs>